Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Part two. Same result. Different side. Keeper goes the wrong way. What a huge shock we have potentially on the cards here on the opening weekend of the WSL. But Samkir into the Liverpool penalty area. Farhi goes down. The referee blows the whistle. A record-breaking weekend of attendance. Farhi being cut by one of the biggest shocks in WSL history. Newly promoted Liverpool have beaten Chelsea, the five-time Super League winners. Shots down by Villar and Daly will goal. What a goal! The start signing off the mark for Aston Villa. Play on for Blackstenius. It's Blackstenius finds the top corner. Ruthless from Stina Blackstenius. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. After waiting a week longer than planned, the WSL is finally back, baby. And what a weekend to get us underway. Upsets galore, loads of goals and some lionesses picked up right where they left off. We're getting stuck into all of that on today's bumper review pod. And we're joined by a very, very special guest. Drum roll, please. Massive drum roll. Can we drum roll? Will that get picked up? Yes. <laughs> In the form of freelance women's football writer and broadcaster, Jesse Parker Humphreys, the legend. Welcome, Jesse. Is it bad I drumrolled myself? No, no, that's all right. That no, could have been me. If you hadn't said that, no one would have known. I felt wrong. like I had to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been disingenuous. <laughs> Absolutely. It's nothing wrong with self-hype at all. Uh, we never jo- do that. No. We never self-hype. Yeah, no. Love yourself, eh? Ever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a women's football podcast. We can fucking <laughs> self-hype ourselves, can we not? All incredible people and around the game. Come on. Smashing it. Yeah. We've clearly smashed this intro as well. We've just completely gone off the rails. No, that's not like us. 
We don't do that. Never. No, no, no. It's a very tight ship here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got that impression all day. <laughs> have you actually? How does it feel to be in the hot seat today? Yeah, I'm excited. I was saying before this, I've never done an in-person podcast because I only started podcasting like during and post-COVID. Of course. Wow. So this I mean, is really exciting. I thought podcasts just lived for little heads on Zoom. Yeah. Apparently how, real life people do them too. How does it feel about the table, the seat, the studio? Mm. I mean, the main thing I'm noticing is that my feet are very far off the floor. These chairs are very big. You're yep. literally and levitating. I'm very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Levitating, yeah. Yeah, we I shouldn't think. have. I mean, we should have probably got you a little bit lower down. No, so. I like it. No, you like you yeah. like that feeling, that kind of authority. Yeah, from we like our guests to feel like they're on a throne. Absolutely. So that's what I'm getting. That's the vibe. And it's also really refreshing, actually, that we don't have a Spurs squad member or member of staff in that chair it's just really refreshing just to have a new perspective do you know what I mean I'm about as far away as something you can get related (laughs) to Spurs as possible I think different (laughs) kit today what kit are you wearing yeah I am wearing uh, the Ajax third kit because I am going to Arsenal Ajax tonight with Victoria Pulova's name on the back Nice, nice. Bringing the gold vibes into the into the studio today. I really like that. Yeah, you know, I thought I'd spice it up. Um, well, we've you've picked a fantastic time uh, to come into the studio. I mean, obviously, the first weekend of the WSL, it has been a screamer. The upsets, the kind of the goal scored, the penalty decisions. It's been a dramatic first has weekend. It? Has much happened? Yeah, I mean, yeah. did you watch? Did you watch it? Yeah, no, I Get did. Many yeah. the games? It was yeah. ridiculous. Just, I Absolutely mean, ridiculous. You couldn't have written some of those things. And I think it, it makes us look a little bit silly with some of the predictions that we might have made. At no, the it start. doesn't. No? Let's just focus on the ones we got right and not the ones we got wrong. It's right. a long season, guys. Yeah. It is a long season. And it's the first, it's the first weekend. So, I mean, we did have a bit of conspiracy theory. We thought maybe potentially with the uh, the WSL being pushed back by one one week and some of the fixtures that should have taken place, maybe things would have panned out differently. Any any kind of um Maybe. Yeah. The the passing of the Queen has potentially changed the outcome of the WSL. Imagine. The course of the WSL has been changed by Imagine. the death of Do you think she was a fan of the WSL? I heard oh, Kelly yeah. Smith say mm. that when she got her OBE or MBE off her, the Queen had been like Oh, is it very like physical playing football? <laughs> so, so she's obviously watched it. Oh uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Queen Lizzie knew. She knew it was a oh, very yeah. physical game. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, spicing I loved it up a bit. We love that. Yeah, she was at the forefront of women's football. So <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, so we're just going to jump straight in there. Not say anything too controversial here, um, but we've got to start with the big one. Obviously, Jesse, you happen to be a Chelsea fan, so I'm probably going to start with you because. Didn't really go your way this weekend, did it? Things could have gone better, uh, shall we say. Um, I wouldn't call it necessarily an upset because I think, you know, we had the pod last week. I thought that Liverpool, you know, weren't going to be the kind of ones, even though they've come up from the championship this season, they weren't going to be ones that we thought we were going to be really worried about. They'd recruited really well over summer. um, And I think their recruitment really uh, did wonders for them. So I'd, um, I'd call it an upset. I mean, yeah, like I I wasn't, I wasn't worried about Liverpool getting relegated. But I don't think I would have called Liverpool beating Chelsea being newly promoted. Um, yeah, I think it's an upset, especially with with the squad Chelsea has. I mean, you know, Jesse, you can tell us it, the way the game actually panned out. I guess for listeners who weren't weren't watching it, three penalties. That's that's what it came down to. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Chelsea scored their penalty in, in the third minute, and and honestly, at that point, I was like. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I don't need to watch anymore. I, this is clearly going to go my way. Pretty much. And then it all went horribly wrong. So that serves me right for being so hubristic early on in the WSL season. Uh, yeah, two Liverpool pe- penalties uh, in the 67th and 87th minute. Um, but it was just a really strange one, really, because to be honest, Chelsea just didn't kick on in the way that you would have assumed they would have done uh, taking a 1-0 win, uh, 1-0 lead. And I think the thing that maybe concerns me about it and the reason I do think it is an upset is because we've seen Chelsea 
fumble against smaller teams in previous seasons. Reading last year, Brighton's our classic. Um, but we don't normally go ahead and then give it up. That was a stat they kept saying, the commentary kept referring to, was that every time you know Chelsea go ahead, they go on to win the game. And like I can't remember how many games it was, but it was some crazy stat. Um, and also when Chelsea tend to slip up, say your Reddings or your Brightons, it's often a really frustrating game for them because they are just battering the goal and can't seem to put the ball in. Mm-hmm. But as Emma Hayes said, you can hit a barn door on, on Sunday. Um, eight shots, four on target. That's not what we expect from Chelsea. But I guess, is it what we expect from Chelsea when it's the opening game of the season? Because we've only won one of our last five season openers. At least against Arsenal, though, you had two goals from open play, didn't you? Yeah, that's so, true. And, and it was against Arsenal, which yeah. is slightly more acceptable, I think, to lose than maybe Liverpool. Do we think then that the kind of penalties have completely destroyed this game for Chelsea then? Do we th- or do we think actually they didn't come out with all, all guns blazing? I just don't think they came out with all guns blazing. I, we were talking about this earlier. There was a, a late change. Harder had been named in the starting eleven, um, picked up a niggle in, in, in the warm-up and was replaced by Sophie Ingle, who is traditionally a deeper midfielder, maybe not as creative as Harder would be and, and doesn't go forward as much as Harder would. So... We were talking about, did that kind of shift the lineup slightly? Did they give them less maybe creative opportunities that they would normally have? But then when you look at the players, those players on the pitch, there should be goals and opportunities coming from them. But I will say for me, the one big turning point in, in the match is Sam Kerr's goal being yeah. disallowed for offside. Yeah. I think if that counts, we're talking about game a changer. totally different, yeah. different game here. And like, look, these things happen. Like, I'm not super pressed about it. Um, it's sure? a shame because you sure? I was for like three hours mm-hmm. or so and, <laughs> and now I'm getting over Let I'm, it go. I'm mainly annoyed because sometimes when a goal is that good you just want it to be allowed to stand like what regardless. a screamer that would have been like, yeah and to be honest Kirby's I don't pass, think it's offside body. it's not offside yeah I, but I can understand like Humans are humans I can see why it wasn't given but also it kind of started all this conversation about VAR again but we didn't even have the right camera angles so even if we had VAR there was no definitive angle where you could draw a line across and say definitely wasn't onside or offside. I saw a number of shots being used, I think, from Sky, I think it was, or was it BBC. But And it was all from the front because we just didn't have the right... So the VAR conversation, I understand, but even then, I'm not sure it would have proved, um, provided the, the definitive answer you wanted. I think no. the frustration comes from when, when we know referees in the WSL still aren't full-time. Yes. You're always going to have that question of being like feeling like the standard could be higher, because it could. It would be higher if they were full time. And before we even get into the VAR conversation, we've got to do that step first. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and uh, Kelly Chambers had, was frustrated about the refs after um, Reading's game against Man United. And it's a shame the same thing happened last season. The conversations are about referees in the first weekend. And it's mm. just, yeah, it's frustrating, isn't Chelsea it? Chelsea offsides and opening weekends. Oh, what yeah. is up with that? But also, that's a pretty bold game for a referee to be making three penalty calls. Um, so you've got to give her some credit. Right? Oh, no, I think I think from the penalty call decision, she was consistent throughout mm. all three penalties. And, you know, I understand the, the calls for the penalty against Millie Bright being soft or unfair. And I agree, it's shit, but it's the rules. And... If the rule needs to change. Maybe that's what should be looked at rather than, you know, the arms were up away from her body. And yes, it's where is she meant to put her arms, but the ref was consistent in terms of, I thought, calling the, the penalties. Um, and the first one and the third one were nailed on pens for me. I did think that was a bit of a savage call with the Millie Bright thing. Because I think, I mean, she was about a foot away from the ball. So I don't think she even saw the ball before it hit and it's her. it's like practically her armpit as it, well. Yeah, it just hit her in the sort of like top of the shoulder. And I thought, oh, I thought on, it was her upper arm. Bit. It was a bit. But like change the rules. Yeah. If, if, if 
if a player is like, if it's too close. And then the other thing is, you would benefit from VAR then because you'd need to go back and look at it and say, where did it hit her in the arm? And it's, it's just another, we don't have that in the game. So oh. again, ultimately, at the end of the day, Chelsea should have had more than enough quality, I yeah. think, still to beat this Liverpool team. Absolutely. And, and the referee stuff almost becomes a distraction, right? From the, the question of why did Chelsea create so little? And credit to Liverpool. I thought defensively they set up very, very well in terms yep. of trying to minimise those chances. I do think they deserve credit for the result, um, especially going down so early uh, in the game. You know, you'd be forgiven for heads dropping. Uh, but with a manager like Matt Beard on the sideline, they've they've recruited well in terms of WSL experience. But they're even missing players like Shanice van der Sanden. Like they're missing big names. Um, and unfortunately, Leanne Kiernan went off with what looks like a pretty nasty Bad. injury, yeah, which I mean, is a she real was dragging shame. Dragging her foot across yeah. the floor, and I was like, "Oh god, get I mean, the I'm not... stretcher!" Guys, yeah, I thought that fuck? was a bit. I was a bit savage, wasn't it? Um, but I'm um, yeah, really sad for her because she's had such bad luck with injuries, and she was finally back in a flying form. Brilliant for Liverpool last season, um, and it looks like she could be out for a while. And I'm also, you know, I'm already got my Ireland hat on, and I think she'll miss the upcoming matches for them as well. So really sad for them. Well, I think, uh, I mean, that brings up an interesting point, doesn't it? Chelsea weren't fine on all cylinders, but also, I mean, Liverpool start to the season. Obviously, from there, they come the championship. They were winning game after game after game, recruited really well. Matt Beard picking up manager of the year. Um, you know, fantastic new signings. And you kind of look at the strength and depth of that squad. And I don't really feel like they had a, an incredible game at the weekend. It wasn't incredible. But also, do you think that that's going to sort of boost their confidence going into the season now? Do we think that actually they're going to run on this and think, oh, if we can take down a Titan, you know, where are we going to go from here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to beat Chelsea, right? Like, understandably. Everyone, everyone does. Yeah, of course. You... I would like to beat Chelsea. I'd like to play against Chelsea again and beat them. Chelsea yeah. have won the WSL title three seasons in a row. They're, They're the like... Titan you want to take down. Of course. Mm. But I think the other thing is, is I think it's a confidence boost for Liverpool because I feel like it will justify what they probably think about themselves internally, which is that they are a team who could finish top half, I think. Do you reckon? I think so. I think they've got the quality there in terms of the players they've got, the manager they've got. He's, you know, huge amounts of experience in WSL. He's he's won the bloody thing twice mm-hmm. um, with Liverpool. So I think it makes me laugh when there's been a lot of stuff about Chelsea losing to a newly promoted team because they are newly promoted, but it's not quite the same as well, maybe yeah. what losing to Leicester would have looked like. Or losing to Birmingham. No, like, <laughs> you know, I think we talked about in the first podcast that we weren't worried about them getting relegated and mm-hmm. they're kind of proving why. But we've also talked about the importance of those opening couple of matches. And for Liverpool to beat Chelsea, to, to look at a game that they probably looked at and said, right, that's one we're probably not going to get points from, but we'll probably get points from these, these, these and these. To get points so early on and then they're going into... Merseyside Derby uh, next weekend against Everton um, who lost at the weekend their confidence is going to be so high especially playing in front of a massive what will likely be a big crowd in their main stadium like it's going to give them even more confidence going into that match Do you think they were shocked? Do you think they were shocked at the result? Do you think they were looking at that thinking oh actually we could get something from this at least or do you get the impression that they were thinking oh no actually Probably I think they probably were like oh my god we're going to get a draw out of this this is amazing Mm -hmm. like genuinely think especially when that second penalty came it came from Chelsea like being camped in Liverpool's half like that's the 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 back pair Ericsson and Bright were so high up the pitch and it came from a bounce that um Ericsson didn't meet shouldn't have let it bounce let it bounce and Stengel got in um sorry it was Buchanan and, and Ericsson up up quite high so they were so far up the pitch for the for the second goal to ultimately come from Chelsea having possession and being camped in there it's probably quite a surprise yeah mm. 
And I think, uh, I mean, looking at sort of some of the comments that Emma Hayes was making, uh, I mean, obviously you, you mentioned there before that she, you know, the team couldn't hit a barn door, which is obviously very openly critical of the squad. She's obviously not happy with the way things have gone. And, you know, in classic Emma Hayes fashion, I mean, she sets the bar really high and they obviously fell be- behind that. Um, do you kind of feel like, you know, she was expecting more from the squad or do you think that actually this isn't going to be, it's not going to phase her too much. This is just a blip in her otherwise Both. incredible record. I personally think Emma Hayes has a lot to answer for, for, for this game. Oh, you're More, blaming the Hazy. I, I will put a lot of blame at Hayes' door on this, yeah, rather than the squad, because I just, I mean, look, we're never going to know how Chelsea lined up if Penilla Harder had been fit. Mm-hmm. But I think the choice to bring Ingle in was a mistake. And I don't know if players were going to play where they ended up regardless, but Lauren James at right wing back makes no sense to me. We signed an international quality fullback this summer, supposedly to deal with our fullback, wingback positions. Why are we then playing Lauren James there? Guru Wrighton ended up in this kind of weird front two with Sam Kerr. She just spent last season being really good at left wingback. Well, we've now put new, new Charles. <laughs> like sometimes you, I get that Emma Hayes like likes to constantly reinvent herself and her Chelsea team. And that's part of the reason she's been able to have so much success over a decade where lots of managers would have got stale. But sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know? <laughs> I agree. Stick to the winning formula, I essentially. Because we, we've talked in the past um, about the players that uh, Emma Hayes has and how she makes them fit into the squad. And I think last season we were starting to see her figure out the best areas for those players. Um, and now that so many other players, have, new players have come in that need to start, like your Buchanan's and uh, players like that, it's almost like she's re-figuring out where to fit in all these players. We were talking about it earlier. There's so many potential number 10s in that in that team and she seems to want to play all of them you know like to have potentially Kirby Harder and James all on the pitch at the same time who would traditionally play that number 10 role and you said earlier Aaron Cuthbert was you know originally a number 10 also on the pitch so there is an element of like trying to figure out how how all these pieces fit together and they did have a a pretty decent pre-season in terms of the teams they played I know not all of the squad were back Um, so yeah I would have expected more in terms of I'd expect them to be further ahead say than Liverpool uh, when it came to the start of the season and that's what was strange I think about the team mm-hmm. because it was so different to ha- to the teams that had been sent out in pre-season against Lyon Portland Tottenham and that's why I think maybe the harder thing made Hayes just lose her head a little bit mm-hmm. in what she decided to do and, and rip stuff up well I think and you also touched on the point I know where we spoke sort of pre-pod um, that you sort of raised some concerns there about Magda Eriksson not to throw you under the bus here but uh, <laughs> But yeah, you did say that maybe, you know, she didn't look as strong as she was before. Obviously, she had the injury um, and maybe not recovered to sort of pre-injury standard. Do you think that sort of had an impact on, on last week's performance, or this Sunday's performance? Listen, I think when Chelsea signed Kadisha Buchanan, there was a big question about what does this kind of mean for, for Magda Eriksson and Millie Bright? Because they've kind of been the stalwarts of the, of the Chelsea defence. Yes, Chelsea have been kind of playing a back three, but... How did you fit Khadija Buchanan in that if you were going to play it? Is it something Chelsea still wanted to do? And Magda Eriksson, I think, is a player who, you know, she had that injury in December of last year and it feels like she's not quite come back to the level. And I think that's partly because as soon as she came back, she was thrown into Chelsea, then the Euros. Now she's, you know, back in against Chelsea. Meanwhile, Chelsea chopped and changed their defence at the end of last season. Sweden chopped and changed their defence during the Euros. And now she's back with a whole new player playing next to her. So I think there's a lot of factors going on there. But I think to me, it feels quite clear that right now, 
we're not seeing the Magda Eriksson that we saw, say, at the start of last season. Injury came at, the, at like the worst possible time, it seems, because mm-hmm. she was out for a while. And I'm sure in the back of her head, she's thinking, getting to the tail end of the season, ending up in the FA Cup final, getting to the tail end of the season where you're a point ahead of Arsenal, whatever, you know, it's so close. And you've got the, the Euros coming up. You want to be back on that pitch, don't you? Oh. It gives you very little time to actually fully recover and maybe have the summer off that you need. Because she got injured previous season, and I'd say that kind of summer. Oh no, they went to the Olympics as well, didn't they? So there's just no recovery just time for these football. players. We've got yeah. a World Cup next summer. Like, when do these players get the full recovery time they need? You two being very diplomatic and very understanding of a sort of not come back to full capacity Ericsson, which I love. I mean, I, I, I think like, it's just hard to know, right? That's how I feel right now. Like, because, you know, she is approaching the end of her 20s. Being being nice that we've got, I mean, we've got some 30 somethings in the booth. She just turned 29, right? Gosh, wow. Approaching the end of your 20s. Whoa. I'm just saying, you know, you lose speed, physicality, right? We we know that. Just like that. Birthday comes and it's all gone. It's fine, guys. (laughs) Thank God I retired last year. I mean, (laughs) us 30 year olds are going to need to be wheeled out of this studio. (laughs) That's why we've got um, 30 year olds and 33. Like, honestly, trying to like take some uh, (laughs) years off my age. Turn 34 next week. Jesus. Right. Moving swiftly on for that very controversial end to that point. Um, I mean, another upset, uh, another very dramatic game. Um, you know, a goalkeeping masterclass, really, in um, <laughs> Aston Villa, Man City. Um, not the result that we all expected, but maybe we did. I mean, I did. we did sort of touch briefly on the fact that Man City hadn't had, uh, you know, a very strong season at the start of the season last season. Uh, obviously, we'd always, we've always been a little bit critical of uh, old Gazza Taylor. Um, and I felt there were some concerns, you know, the amount of big, big sign-ins, Kira Walsh, Stanway leaving, um, you know, Jill Scott retiring, all these kind of big names that were leaving the squad. Was it going to leave them vulnerable? And to be fair, I think I might have, I think I might have got this one right. No, here we go, crow on no. again. What? No, what? To be fair, though, we did, we did, we were worried about Man City, weren't we? Yeah. Um, and Villa have recruited well. I, I didn't quite expect this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Man City probably said, oh. oh first weekend's postponed. We don't have to play Arsenal. Oh no, <laughs> um, we're going to have to start against Villa. And holy wow. shit, like, did Villa turn up? <laughs> they got daily. Oh my God. They got daily. I love that. But <laughs> it was something pre, pre, uh, pre-match pre um, on the press conference. I think it was someone asked about Rachel Daly and the fact that she obviously plays fullback for England, um, but up front for, um, in America. And Carl Ward basically said, Rachel Daly is nowhere near a defender in Villa. She is like absolutely a forward. I mean, and she my definitely God, proved that point. Did she show up? Yeah. I mean, the two of those guys. I mean, the, the goals themselves. The I mean, first one. Oh, oh, depend on that. It's just, um, it was a thing of beauty. I mean, I just, I mean, I, I, even the angle of it, the curve. She almost I, had like her back kind of to goal almost. She wasn't even really properly looking at the goal. Her, her hips, her body, her head and her feet were in different directions <laughs> and she still scored. She scored a similar one for England though, right? Ahead of the Euros. A volley kind a volley. of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. So she definitely got it in her locker. We know that from from how she played over in the NWSL. Um, but what I was really impressed with was Aston Villa's press. And I know a lot of the time we talk about the the difference, the golf in, in teams about big name players and that's what the golf is. I think a lot of the time, some of the big areas that they lack, the teams lower down, is fitness. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the same level of fitness necessarily as you'd see in your, your top traditional top four. I don't feel like we saw that with Villa. They were bloody fit. They pressed Man City for much of that 90 minutes. They did a really good job of trying to close off options to their their wingers. 
Um, so I was really impressed. I think Man City have always looked vulnerable when pressed, but a lot of teams used to seem quite afraid of Man, Man City and they didn't press them, they'd kind of sit back. And you see now when you press that back line that they, they are vulnerable. And I think Villa showed that this weekend. Villa definitely did their homework. And I think I was really impressed by Lehman because I thought there was a couple of tr- opportunities that she had, which were basically just pouncing on defensive mistakes. And it was from that very high intense press and you know there were so many mistakes in that game defensively and also you've got to mention the, the big goalkeeping error um, which has obviously given them that 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 win and I just um, yeah I think that was one thing that I just wasn't expecting from Villa really I, I don't know what I was expecting I was expecting something a little bit flatter a little Four, bit 4-3 yeah like that's ridiculous that I mean, was 30% of the goals they scored last year yeah, they scored yeah. 13 goals in the entirety of last <laughs> season and they scored 4 against Manchester City yeah that's that's pretty big. Call of War, man. Hats Hero. Off. Already. NBA pending, maybe. Manager of the season? <laughs> Could be. I mean, if I mean if they're in for the title battle this year, we might be <laughs> Villa Champions be, League. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? We called it here first, up front, Villa, <laughs> Champions League, third spot, maybe. Um, title contenders. Um, but no, I mean it was there was a couple of, you know, big I've got a touch on it as a goalkeeper, as an ex-player. Um, not good enough, not good enough from, from both goalkeepers. And I don't know whether, you know, in terms of Roebuck, obviously she's, Jesse, you mentioned before, like obviously she's not played over the summer. She's had a bit of a quiet, quiet couple of months, but, um, you know, Hampton failing to sort of claim a really, really safe ball. Roebuck going down for a barrier, letting it spill out. And then obviously that conversion of the, of the was it the fourth goal by mm. that point? Yeah. And um, yeah, I just didn't think it was good enough all round, really. Um, so yeah, that was my thoughts on the goalkeepers. Yeah. Not good enough, mate. And also... You know, I love shouting out about goalkeepers. You know how I feel about goalkeepers. Union, we do. But I can't, I can't say anything positive about that, really. To be fair, at least for Ellie Roebuck, there were enough Man City players who covered themselves in even less glory that it's one of the you weren't the worst. <laughs> you were the, the least bad. <laughs> Steph Horton just kind of passing the ball to Kenza Dali, like just outside the area, was uh, was a particular highlight for me. Yeah, I think we've touched on on the Man City defense being a little bit shaky and and nervous under pressure. And to then take away Kira Walsh and not have that kind of comfort blanket or safety blanket in front of you, mm. it just leaves them exposed. And I just don't feel like that hole was dealt with by Gareth Taylor. It just felt no. like they were trying to play like they had Kira Walsh on the pitch. I mean, yeah. for me, the player who I thought they were really missing was actually Lucy Bronze because I thought Villa got so much joy down with Kirsty Hansen mm-hmm. down that left-hand side. Yep. Esme Morgan, like, look, she had a horrific injury. She's kind of coming back, but it's a big hole to, to yeah. fill and you know I watched Barcelona this weekend as well and you just looked at Lucy Bronze kind of falling out in Spain and then Esme Morgan kind of floundering against Kirsty Hansen I just thought it's it's a lot it's not just Kira Walsh it is Bronze yeah. Stanway Weir you know yeah. so do we think this results then going to be indicative of sort of struggles going forwards or do we think this is just a blip and they just need to you know they've brought on board a fair few new players that's going to take time to gel They've lost a lot of big names. There's a bit of a lack of confidence in, in City, what with the weak start last year and then just about climbing back for that Champions League spot. I think what would be worrying for City is Villa would be a game they'd have identified as, as getting points. Yeah. Right. I think they kind of accept that when they play your Chelsea's, your Man United's, your Arsenal's, they might not necessarily guarantee a win. I don't think anyone's guaranteed a win in this league anymore. But I think what's worrying for them is to lose in the fashion they lost so early on and if they play like that against Chelsea when they're on their day or Arsenal on their day that could be you know we saw them lose 5-0 to Arsenal last season we didn't think we'd really see that again but 
yeah, there's there's a few things, a few things. There's quite a few things I need to to be working on, and Gareth Taylor really needs to think about playing the best for the players he has, rather than like trying to fill the players that have left. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's just that's the big thing. Yeah, you know, for me, like Alexandre, I think she had a mixed game, but ultimately the main problem was she was being played as if she was Kira Walsh. That is not Kira Walsh. That is a central defender who you're repurposing as defensive midfielder. That's fine. She can probably do a job for you. But you need to change the way you play out from the back, the what things you're looking to do in possession, because she's not just going to be able to kind of turn and use her body and create the space and pick out the passes in the way Walsh did. Yeah, because he did reference that in his, his pre-match press conference, was that they have Alexander who can play in that position. They have Yui Hasegawa who can play in that position. And it's that thing of we can take a player from their normal position and put them in that position. And I just... That's never a great way to to start, is it? Yui Hasegawa, I think, is an absolute gem of a signing. She was injured. She didn't make the the game. So that's a shame. But I just think he he needs to forget about Kira Walsh and just put a team together with what he has rather Mm -hmm. than thinking about how can the people I've brought in replace and continue to play the way we played last season. Yeah. Well, then do we think then that Gareth Taylor's potentially on the line? I mean, we sort of saw last season obviously not starting great but like I think we said before I think this was around January, February mm. time obviously the City had a whole host of injuries they were dealing with that at the time we thought oh once the squad's back to full fitness this is going to be Gareth Taylor's, Gareth Taylor's kind of um, the real testament to what he can actually do but do we think then that there are further questions going to be asked now about whether he's No. No. I, I don't think it so. It just feels I think, like City don't care. I it? think if you let so many diehard City players leave Something's not right. I don't think something's quite right there to see so many of those players leave. And the answer is to just let them leave and, and bring in new players. I just think, I think Taylor's all right. I think he'll be all right for the season. Unless, like, Jesus, they're bottom of the league by Christmas. But I think he'll be okay. I think they're pretty loyal to him. Yeah, and I think they've got an investment in him, right? Because he is a city manager. And mm-hmm. I think that makes a big difference that, you know, they've kind of moulded him as a manager. He was with the the under-18 boys. Now he's with the women presumably he wants to kind of do the Nick Cushing thing and go off and manage at one of their other million clubs that they have around the world. And I think that creates a different relationship with the club than if it was just an external person. If you were like mm. Everton and you were like, oh, haven't won your first three games? Bye. So <laughs> they do like doing that. It's a very different approach. I but think. it's bizarre because you look at the money City spend, like they spent six figures on, on Hasegawa. Like they're mm. clearly willing to put money in, but for me, it feels like they've got like a, I don't know, like a technical director who just only turns up for the summer and then turns off for the season. <laughs> and then is like, okay, who's left? Like, we'll bring him. Because the signings are great, yeah. you know. Like, Mary Fowler's like one of the most highly rated players, like young players in the world. It, on the recruitment side, I can't fault them. But it's just like no one watches them what goes on on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. Well, you heard it here first, Gareth Taylor. Uh, you're safe, mate, for the rest of the season. Um, but after that, we'll... Watch, we'll be totally wrong. <laughs> but we'll see Back what happens, all right? <laughs> Eyes are on you, all right? Don't forget it. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. All right, so leaving it there and just sort of maybe moving on to something a little bit less controversial, which is pretty hard to find actually this weekend. Uh, so moving on to Arsenal Brighton. Uh, Arsenal ran away with a bit of a 4 0 lead. Um, it was the first time I'd really seen Hertig fit into the mix. But, you know, for me, that kind of three-way partnership between Mead, Miedemar and Blackstenius was absolute gold. I mean, everyone just seemed to be flowing in the right way. I mean, the goal creation was coming from all different angles, the cutbacks. I mean, you know, I felt like Brighton were completely and utterly ripped apart. I, I didn't love, think they knew what was going on. I love that you call this a, le- a less controversial topic, given there's a red card currently being <laughs> investigated about whether it should or shouldn't have been, which is hilarious. But that Slightly was like less the least controversial. <laughs> the, la- the less bad. Um, <laughs> no, the, but to point out, yeah, um, Brighton did have uh, Kohlberg sent off in the seventh minute, uh, which is being appealed by Brighton because Blackstenius was offside in the, the lead up to that. There is some confusion about whether she was clipped or not, in my opinion, or from the replays. She did get a, her heel was clipped by Kohlberg's shin, which then caused her to kind of hit her own foot and fall over. Whereas everyone just seems to think she tripped herself up. I think she was caught, but she, Blacksenius was offside. So that's, mm. that was unfortunate for them. And what was interesting was Jonas Eideville said in the first seven minutes, he didn't feel like they'd actually prepared for the way that Brighton had come out. So there was some interesting, like Kaylee Green was like back in fullback position or something was bizarre. But he said they didn't really prepare for that lineup. And actually, when the red card happened and the way that they ended up setting up, they were like, okay, actually, this is more what we were expecting. Um, I also felt like, yes, we talk about the link up plays. There were some beautiful passages of play, but they still don't look as sharp as they would normally be. Like they still kind of look like a first game. And that's quite frightening because a couple more games under their belt, that trio, like there's a, a medium, a cut back for um, Beth Mead and the commentator was like oh you know she saw her coming in and, and come to back. she didn't see her coming in there's no way she saw her in her in her side vision Beth Mead wasn't even in the in the camera angle like by the time mm-hmm. like when you watch it back she's not even in shot Mead and I just kind of knew telepathically and you've seen that with, with Blackstenius as well there is a, a lot more telepathy between the players which I think was starting at the end of last season especially with Blackstenius so I think as the season goes on that's only going to improve yeah, and for me, a player who actually really stood out, who we haven't mentioned, was Caitlin Ford, who mm. I thought, I mean, listen, she was up against Georgia Fox, who's on loan from Chelsea at Brighton, and what a nightmare way to have to start the WSL season <laughs> with like losing your defensive partner so early on. Um, but I don't know if Arsenal like targeted her, but it felt like Caitlin Ford was a lot more willing to like try and take her on one on one, and showed a lot, 
a different side to her game, I thought, than, than what we've seen before. A bit more of that more direct yeah. dribbling ability, which I think is something that will really help Arsenal in having a bit more variety maybe across that kind of front four as we look at it now. I thought it was interesting because we've talked about Miedema playing that deeper role, but she was desperate for a goal. Like she was yeah. she was basically playing a forward in that in that match. She was not really sitting back, just flooding that's forward. That's what Arsenal need. They, yeah. If they're going to play Miedema as the 10, they and she was, they need her close to Black Stenius. Yeah. She was this game, whereas points last season when it was faltering for Arsenal, you would see Miedema picking up the ball on the halfway line. No, we don't want you there. Yeah, but that's because it wasn't being fed. Like She was like, right, I've got to go back and get it myself. It was that kind of attitude, whereas maybe we're not going to see that this season. I, but I do want to say, Megan Walsh, I want a hat tip to her because it oh, could have been an awful lot. Point. Yeah, Gosh. sorry, man. Goalkeeper's oh, union. God. But she was excellent. I think Arsenal had about like 13 shots on target or something ridiculous like that. And they only scored four. And I think a lot of that was was down to her excellent keeping. And she was brilliant last season as well. So not ideal to to lose 4-0 but I don't know about you you often end up playing as a goalkeeper your best games in matches that you lose yeah massively and I think uh, I mean she kept the score reasonable that could have been an absolute disastrous first result for Brighton uh, and it obviously is but it could have been double figures um but yeah, I think that that's the thing about Megan Walsh. I mean, she had an incredible season last season and I, th- I think she sometimes gets overlooked. But I mean, it, it is nervy. It's the first game of the season. You know, you've been away for a bit. You come back, you know, big crowds as well present. And also you're being faced with that ridiculous little partnership there. And um, I think she was cool, calm, collected. I think you could hear her talking all the time to her back line, telling them what to do. And, and you could see the frustration in her face when that third and fourth goal were going in. She was fuming, absolutely fuming at them. And, and rightly so, because they just didn't pull their socks up at all. They weren't learning from any of the mistakes. But I think Rachel touched briefly on the point that you made there about the kind of, you know, you didn't feel that Arsenal, whilst firing on some cylinders, still have a lot more left in the tank. I mean... For me, I thought it was an absolutely ruthless performance. I thought in terms of the kind of diversity of how they were creating those chances, I mean, balls out wide, cutting in, balls over the top, uh, drilled bo- uh, drilled shots, uh, long-range strikes. I thought it had it all. Um, I just think the fact that like Caitlin Ford didn't score, Jordan Nobbs almost scored but didn't. It mm-hmm. took like, them a while to find that opener, yes. didn't it? Yeah. And I think then it, it felt a bit different. But when Kuhlberg was sent off after seven minutes, I was like, oh, this could be eight. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it wasn't. And that is credit to, yeah, like Walsh made some some amazing saves. But also like ultimately, I think Arsenal looked good. Mm. But I they totally played agree. against Brighton a Brighton team who I think we all think could be in trouble this yeah. season mm-hmm. with 10 players yeah. for almost the entire game. For me, I can't judge Arsenal until we've seen them play a couple that's what I. Times. That's what I mean. They were good, but I feel like they have another gear. And there were a couple of counter-attacks from Brighton where they, they could have gotten on the score sheet um, because I felt the defence switched off a There was a bit. lot of space in behind Katie McCabe. Now, I don't know if that's just because she felt like... We'll be grand. It, I'm going to ball out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is fair enough. I can I can kind of understand that. But yeah, that the gap between calls. McCabe and Javiele yeah. was interesting. Yeah. So that would be one area that they just need to... But again, like you say, it's hard to judge that when the players probably look at it, probably thought they're going to win the game anyway and then they're up against 10. They probably maybe switched off a little bit so I'd have to stress the importance uh, of you know how consistency you know consistency is key they're going to need to be consistent for the rest of the season while she said that's a great start obviously we don't know how the next games are going to go there's some big big games coming up Champions um, League tonight yeah and just a little one tonight that you're both going to Ajax yeah I'm looking forward to it yeah just a tiny little game so yeah, I think it, I think it'll be an interesting test for Arsenal. Ajax are a very talented team. Yeah. Um and they've got lots of players who I think could could cause them problems. Yeah. And I also I just can't help but think back to that Kuya game um last season where they lost, didn't they? And they needed to Was that the one they lost? Or was it 
No, they lost to Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim. But a mm. team with maybe, you know, But that just makes players. me think mm. no, none of these like smaller teams, if you like, are guaranteed anymore. Um, so that just makes me slightly nervous. And I, I, I asked Idabel afterwards, how happy is he to kind of finally get this up and running, the, the season up and running? And he was like, I haven't coached this team for like four months. And now they're back into it with WSL, Champions League, WSL, Champions League. Like it, it they're coming thick and Should fast. Should finish mm. first next time, Jonas. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Not for one to try in. Savage. Uh, <laughs> so we think the game tonight is going to be a bit more of a real testament to actually the pulse of where Arsenal are at the moment. Obviously the Brighton game, they're expected to win that. But tonight is going to be sort of a bit more of a, a challenge. We're yeah. hoping. Tonight yeah. and Spurs at the Emirates. Yeah, I mean, just that other little one. Just the North London Derby, like no big deal. It's oh. thick and fast, man. It's it's begun. Easy. It's Arsenal. No fret. Um, all right. So we have a Man United Reading. Another kind of less controversial game, but also I think we're all expecting maybe a little bit more from Reading. Um, you know, some great goals in there. I mean, you called it Letizia. Thank I mean, you. she had a bit of a Great phenomenal day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she is definitely one to watch. And if that wasn't apparent before, it definitely is now. Uh, I mean, she just looked so bright, so sparky, so ready to kind of make a grand entrance and, and that and that she absolutely did. I thought as well, her link up play with her Baje and Garcia. Lucia Garcia. They look so dangerous down the right. I think for Reading, really unfortunate. Kelly Kelly Chambers touching this after the game. She was quite frustrated with the referees, you know something new there um, <laughs> but basically we had the Milo Tizio first goal crack of a goal uh, and then there was a penalty for Russo well, from where I was sitting I thought Grace Maloney got the ball she did um, I think yeah. she, she definitely got a touch on that and she was fuming and yeah. rightly so that wasn't a good call so you know already before that there'd been a, a shout for handball down the other end which I think again on replay was it was a handball and Kelly Chambers kind of said you know had that happened that would be potentially 1-1 kind of a different game instead they went 2-0 down really early on and they could not get a foothold in the game like there was no didn't feel like there was much of a game plan in that first half it was balls come in who fit there was no kind of who do I pass it to? How do we play this ball out? Where can we get a counter-attack going? It just felt like it was clear the ball as much as possible. There was a little bit of that in the second half as well. Very much camped back. Um, but they did prevent United from scoring the second half at least. But yeah, United look sharp, man. They look good. Yeah. And I I mean, I'm just going to throw it back again to my predictions because it was very Man United heavy. And that for me is like an absolute bloody coup. Like you couldn't have asked for a better start to the season, really. And But to be saying that, I think we could have done a little bit better, a little bit better. But I think I've got to, I've got to throw again to the goalkeeper thing because, I mean, we've just had a bit of an up and down rollercoaster now with goalkeepers. And Maloney, whilst I do absolutely adore her, I think she's a fantastic goalkeeper, um, had a bit of a mare. Had a bit of a mare. Didn't understand what quite went on with the first goal. It kind of looped over her. She didn't really try and then sort of did a backwards roll into her own net. Um, yeah, and it looked I, like she thought it was going over and then realised last minute it wasn't and should probably make some effort. What was the better to... mistake acting this weekend? Maloney's backward roll or Zatira Musevic's flops when she was obviously getting nowhere near the penalty? Ooh. <laughs> Gosh, Kelly Smith was so annoyed by that. She was like, I hate when keepers just guess and go for it. Like she was like, wait and like try and get to the ball rather than just completely go in the opposite direction. I don't know whether what your take is on penalties. Um, Were I you think, a guess or did you just like, did you guess and throw yourself or did you wait and try and... I think it's a bit of both. Like you can only read the kind of uh, the, the run up, obviously whether they're left or right footed, that affects things. And also there's like statistics involved in where they're sort of more likely to go. Like generally speaking, people shoot across their bodies. So you always sort of, I don't know, I'd always go on that on that side just as a kind of 
but it's it's hard. I mean, there's so many deceptive penalties now. It's I mean, thank God I don't have to do that anymore. Credit Stengel went the opposite yeah. way each time. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's her credit, but yeah, Musovic went the way Stengel went first time. And she just I mean, they were incredibly the way, so. collectively cool penalties to be taken. Yeah, so I think credit to credit to Stengel more than anything else. Yeah, but. Yeah, I think that was one thing I thought was quite disappointing about Reddin's performance was that he just looked a bit lacklustre. And I think that came from from back to front. Um, yeah, and even for the third and fourth, I think it was the third or the fourth goal, there was sort of like a looping ball uh, to the left-hand side of Maloney and it was just sort of like a half-assed kind of dive into the back of it. I don't know what was going on, but bless her. I mean, she did obviously after that, after the game, she was obviously visibly very upset with things. Rachel mentioned there that she had the the tweet as well after the game saying, oh, you know, I apologise for my performance. It wasn't great. But, you know, how do things bode now for for Reading? I mean, they didn't have the best season last year. For me, the big worry is that injury to Deanne Rose. Yes, Deanne Rose is out for the season, which I I think she, I think they said they think it's her Achilles. Really? She's done her Achilles. Yeah. What was, sounds gross. She was right in front of me when she did it. There was nobody near her. She literally turned to run up the pitch and I swear I heard a pop. Like, and she was down and you could just see her where it was almost like, why is my foot not doing what it should be doing? Like, why is it not working? Um, that's a massive loss for them. They ha- Kelly Chambers did talk about actually having depth for the first time because last season they didn't really have any depth. They had academy players on their bench when they were playing Chelsea. Like, um, So they were able to bring on Natasha Dowie for Deanne Rose, which is a good substitution. But I mean, Dowie's not going to give you the speed that Rose gives you. Like, She's her, a different player. She yeah. is, yeah. But... In, in the past, at least it's not bringing on an academy player. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of for yeah. Reading. At least they've got some sort of depth. Um, but yeah, I was I was disappointed with their performance because it seemed, and I understand when you go a goal or two down early, that, you know, it can shake things. But we saw, and I know they didn't win, but we saw Man City go down 2-0. We saw Liverpool go down 1-0. They didn't fall apart. And Liverpool went down early, 1-0. Mm. Um, and I just feel like Reading kind of crumbled after the first and second goal and there was no coming back from it no they look completely deflated and it, you just know exactly how the game was going to finish it, they're, they're, what, there was not a part of me that thought they were even going to get one one goal back yeah and it's um, ironic because United have traditionally been a team who have struggled with going ahead mm-hmm. and then teams coming back and then them collapsing so if there's any kind of team at the top of the table where you think oh even though we've conceded some we should still give it a go it probably is United I was really impressed actually I was sitting there kind of watching this great like this great performance from United and Russo and Toon linking up really well what I touched on uh, Baje Garcia um, really great players and then Nikita Paris and uh, Leon was <laughs> warming up in front of me you've got Rachel Williams I think she's picked up a knock um, but she'll get you goals um, they've recruited really well and they've got really great depth in the team and I think that will help them as well when it comes to maintaining this level of intensity when they're playing especially mm-hmm. when it, when they come up against your Chelsea's and your Arsenal's um, so yeah I think they look we, we said it before but I think they look good so from that performance then we're still keeping with our still sticking with our guns still keeping with our flagpoles in the sand that they're going to be up and around the old Champions League I don't know Jesse's spot. heard the flagpole sand oh, situation but we seem to get it into every episode when you put your, fl- your mm. flag in the sand or put my pole basically when you stake your claim on a point and maybe that's what we meant stake the, the claim yeah but we seem to just get it really mixed up and uh, it's a don't flag you put a the, flag on a hill or something I don't know oh, maybe oh you but can put yours in the sand. I'll put mine on the hill and say that I think United will come third. Okay. All right. We'll there like we go. That. You've heard it here first. Um, um, I feel like we've said this every episode now. Yeah. You've we, heard it here first for the third time. We just change <laughs> it up every single week and then hope that one of our predictions is right. 
that's what we do up front. <laughs> that's how good we are at the old analysis. Yeah, it's hard though because every team just seems to be throwing a curveball. And this but week, nobody is like, expected that. No. So okay. Well, I think that's pretty much uh, wrapping up the biggest games that we've seen. Um, you know, this big weekend, very big weekend. Uh, obviously, I know you two are off to the big Arsenal game tonight, which would be are. fun. Are you going going together? Yeah, we're, just, we're, we're not. We're no. not. Um, <laughs> we actually really dislike it. Right, well, <laughs> made for a great. Didn't pod. even know you were coming to the Arsenal game. So, <laughs> um, but where are you guys going to be this weekend? What's the plan? What are we going to go and check out? So, I will be doing the North London derby, of course, at the Emirates, which I'm really looking forward to. And there will be a special episode from that match because there's a, a pre-match event that I will be hosting a panel um, chatting to some people. So that's going to be a special app, which you can look forward to. Um, and then I am off to Leicester, I think it is, on Sunday. But you know me, I'm never 100% sure where I'm going, but I'm pretty sure it's Leicester. All right, sweet. And what about yourself, Jesse? Where are you off to? Kings Meadow for me, Chelsea versus Manchester City. Uh, time to actually get the season going, I think. God, if Man City win that game, are you, Could are we, you imagine? Are we changing if sides Man City at this point? win that game, I will be more <laughs> embarrassed than losing to Liverpool this weekend. Oh, okay. Bold statement. All right, I'd, I'd probably change teams at that point. Just just don a Manchester United shirt and just call it a day. You'll just be wearing that Ajax shirt forever now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See you in home. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I think I will be, uh, I'll be on Blackburn this weekend with Palace. Uh, so I'm taking that wonderful bus trip up there with all my wonderful little Palace mates. Uh, yeah, playing away game. Should be good fun. Should be really good fun. Hopefully we're going to bounce back from... Um, a little defeat at the weekend at Selhurst Park. Um, but yeah, uh, WC continues to be a bonkers league, by the way. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that's gone on in that league. Again, maybe it's just a weird weekend. It's throw- maybe. I suppose the schedule's been thrown off. Like It's um, it's, yeah. what the, it's what the Queen would have wanted. Tough it weekend is. for the nation as a whole. Yeah. It, yes, it has been. Very tough. It has been for the women's football nation and the, the royal nation, <laughs> nation. as well. <laughs> Yeah, what well, a great note to end on. A uh, bit of a weird one. Um, thanks for listening to Upfront. If you've got any questions for us, hit us up on Twitter. I am at Morgie underscore 89 or at Girls on the Ball or at Jesse JPH. We'll see you next week. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.